Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hello Mentor. Uh, today's episode was actually recorded via Zoom uh, because of the movement control order in Malaysia. Um, so the sound quality might change a little bit from the usual uh, episode, but the conversations are nevertheless still just as interesting. Today, we have Andrea Ross with us. Uh, Andrea is the founder of The Career Establishment, a leadership and team development company based in Singapore. Uh, she holds a Bachelor of Science in Psychology and Sociology from Huddersfield University in the UK and is a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, Behavioral Disc Consultant, and a qualified facilitator. Uh, before embarking on a career as a certified trainer and executive coach, uh, Andrea spent 13 years in Singapore, Malaysia, and Vietnam, leading a multi-million dollar global search firm, Robert Walters. Uh, Andrea is also a podcast host for Talent Talk Asia, which features interviews with some of the most successful talent across Asia to discuss the forces, opportunities, and uh, challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape. Uh, and it airs on Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. Uh, with that, uh, let's uh, start the conversation. Hello, Andrea. Hi. Hello. How are you? Hi. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, thanks for agreeing to do this. You're welcome. Um, yeah, it's quite, uh, it's quite interesting. I, I just, uh, I just um, uh, recorded a podcast on Andrea's podcast. Called, it was it Talent Talk Asia? It was well done, correct? Yes. Yes, that's right. And now, and now Andrea's doing the favor of like doing it uh, for me. So for those, uh, uh, for people who don't know, I actually, I actually used to work with Andrea. So uh, I think you hired me, right? So uh, you were the last interview. Yes. <laughs> Yes, 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 when I was working. What a great Walters. day that was. What a great day that was. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I, I, I completely changed the, the you know, uh, a big impact on the company, I'm Absolute, sure. Absolutely. Of course, decision. of course. It yeah, completely <laughs> turned around as soon as, you, as soon as you came on board. That was it. It's a completely different business. Of course. Yes. <laughs> uh, so this is probably going to be the first time that I'm like asking a lot of questions about you. I think so. Yeah, that, this is that yeah. is really going to be really interesting for me too. So I'm interviewing you now. Yeah, this feels, I must admit, it feels weird as being a podcast host being interviewed myself. It's kind of the, yeah. I, I just feel like I want to take over. So just yeah. rein me in if I start asking my own questions. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I did some, um, I did some like research on your background, like you mm. know, uh, way before like because um, like you, you've obviously. Uh, when I first met you, you were already based in Singapore. Yeah. Right? So, so this right. is just, yeah. So even before you're in Singapore. So, uh, so I found out that you're actually a student of psychology and sociology. Is that right? No, is that how it sounds really intelligent, doesn't it? Sociology. Uh, yeah. I know. It yeah. Sounds, yeah. sounds quite impressive, doesn't it? Yeah. Like what, what, <laughs> what was your, what was your dream back then? Like what, what were you, like what do you imagine you would be when you start, when you went to study that? To be honest, I mean, I remember being a teenager and saying to my parents, I'm going to be a businesswoman, which sounds really naff, I know, but actually it ended up being like that, as naff as that sounds. So um, I loved anything to do with human behavior, anything. I would just lap it up. So for me to do a course on psychology and sociology, which for me, I don't think you can study one without the other, because I think you've got to look at humans and how society impacts that. So actually being able to do a three-year course 
at a university for three years doing that kind of thing. The, the topics are fantastic. To be honest, it wasn't even a hardship for me. It was just so interesting. The topic, I mean, we had a, we had a topic that was film and cinema. <laughs> you know, I got graded to watch movies and, uh, oh, really? and, and study the, you know, what are the dynamics between this and that? It's fabulous. Uh, it was, <laughs> I, I think it was probably a bit of a Mickey Mouse course, but it was, uh, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So I wanted to be a businesswoman. Um, but, yeah, maybe maybe I was right back then as a as a wee teenager. <laughs> how 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 do you imagine psychology and sociology like help you be a businessman? Because I think a lot of people who want to be in business, we just think I'll study business, right? Yeah. So it's quite I, interesting you went that direction. I don't honestly, I don't know. I, I'm rubbish at math, so nothing to do with anything <laughs> mathematical because that would just I, I'd fail miserably. So um, I was I during. Uh, during my school days, I did a lot of interns with the police force. So I'd, you know, I was in the crime prevention unit and went on various talks around the country. Um, and so I suppose that people element was always something I was interested in. So I knew I wanted to do something business orientated, but then I also liked the people side. So I, I really didn't really put a huge amount of thought into it. And I don't think people should necessarily put a huge amount of thought into it. Just follow a topic that you absolutely love because then you won't actually find it a hardship. It's, you know, you'll, you'll enjoy it and come out with great grades. So that would be my advice. Don't put too much emphasis on thinking about what's going to happen after university because no one ever goes into necessarily what they want to do no no 100% right yeah, yeah like like even yeah. even our old careers you can tell and then yeah, yeah and you mentioned you interned with uh, the, the police force like that's interesting <laughs> like how, how did that happen <laughs> it was just really bizarre I, honestly I can't remember how it all happened but I remember um getting on getting on really well with a with a woman police constable and I did a lot of um, just had a just crime prevention to youngsters and we, I think we went up to Scotland and represented Kent and had to you know I can't even remember all the ins and outs but I do remember having a couple of days in a police car um, going around on sort of certain crimes that had committed you know someone had fallen down the stairs and died and obviously oh. I was thinking oh my god oh my god is that a murder but no, it wasn't it was just some guy that fell down the stairs and died it was all pretty <laughs> pretty tame to be honest um, but it but it was pretty exciting I was just hoping no one thought that I'd been arrested or else my mum and dad would be really mad with me but uh, I, I just loved the, the excitement it was exhilarating and it was fun yeah, I, I, really I, I, I didn't realize that someone could intern at the police force. This is the you, first time. You know I, what? You're <laughs> probably not allowed to do that now. I'm sure it was illegal, but no, I was. I did it for about a week, I think. I was probably about 15 or something like oh, that. Oh wow! I loved That's it. That's so cool, though. Loved it. And then my brother what said, "If I experience. ever went, if I ever went in the police force, he would disown me." So that kind of uh, went out the window, really, in terms of a career. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and how exactly did you pick like recruitment as that first job after graduation? Because uh, I barely hear people saying, you know, my dream is to be a recruiter. <laughs> why is that? I don't know why you people don't never think that. Because it's a great career. It pays really well. It's a, you get paid to talk to people every day. You meet fascinating people. Why would you not want to have that as a career? But I just don't think it's ever advertised, is it? You know, you don't see... Uh, you don't see Robert Waters hanging out at the careers office saying, you know, come and come and be a recruiter. You just don't really see it. Um, why did I want to do it? I how did I get into recruitment? Uh, finished university, had loads of student loans, needed to pay off all the student loans, wanted to go and work in the prison service, and so I needed to do a master's if I was going to go into to be a psychologist. And so, um, obviously, with all the student loans, I needed to make money for about a year. I estimated if I worked for a year in London. My mum had forced me to be a secretary 
forced me to learn how to touch type, should I say. So I, mm. as, a, as a young kid, I'd already learned how to, I got all the qualifications to type. So I, during university, I used to be in an office in London and just work for a week in Glaxo, Smith Klein, and all these various companies for a week, generally photocopying, nothing exciting, grabbing people's coffees, grabbing people's dry cleaning. And, uh, and I saved my money. And so that was the whole purpose after uni was I'll save my money for a year. And then the first job I got into um, was a secretarial job at Michael Page. Oh, okay. <laughs> which, oh. which most people kind of go, oh, oh really? Oh, You're a I did not know that. Michael Page? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, there was actually an article that came out on LinkedIn a couple of weeks, uh, last week. And I, sharing that, I was sharing that story with uh, Vokey. So you can read a little bit more about that on there. But um, so I went, worked for a guy on the contract team for six months and looked around the desk and thought gosh they've all got great watches they all drive great cars they're just talking on the phone every day this can't be really that hard um and i put my hand up to join the graduate training scheme and i thought they'd probably just put me on it just to shut me up to be honest and uh you know 17 years later i was still doing it so there we go there's there's the story i really did fall into it literally wow, wow. Yeah. so 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 you so you you were secretary and then you joined the firm and then you saw you saw people making loads of money from just picking yeah. up the phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I thought, that doesn't really look that hard. Um, and I suppose I just learned and listened what was going on. You know, I could see the emotional roller coasters, but I'm pretty resilient, I suppose, pretty tough. And I had a really great manager that I worked for and he just gave me loads of tips at the interview, he said, you know, say this, say that. <laughs> um, subsequently, oh, he, ended wow. up, he ended up coming to Singapore for a bit, actually, Andrew Norton. Um, and I think, I, I just, you know, to be honest, it's a great story. It's a great story that they let, a, I mean, obviously I was a graduate. It wasn't like I hadn't gone and got my degree, but I think it was a great story to see, to come from the other side where, you know, you were a secretary, um, really oh, yeah. skinned and looking at people earning loads of money. So those were really my main motivators was I can wow. do this and I, yeah, and I just kind of jumped into it really. Wow. How, how, yeah. how long were you a secretary before like, you, you became a recruiter? I think about six to eight months. I don't think it was very long. I was probably a rubbish secretary. They probably just thought, God, get her, get her off the job as a secretary. She's rubbish. <laughs> we'll, have more, we'll have more luck putting her as a recruiter. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what they're thinking. Let's try to at least try Everybody to make some money. Jesus, she doesn't stop talking. We need to put her as a recruiter. She'll definitely make us more money there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably wasn't, and that and that's where I went. That's where I met Mark Elwood. So Mark was also a graduate trainee. So that's how we met oh. each other. Those twenty odd twenty three years ago. Oh wow, wow! Yeah. Small that's, world. That's, that's so interesting. And and um, but but yeah, you're right. That, like no one's like um, no one really talks about uh a possibility of being a recruiter. It's not very well advertised. Yeah. Even though there are lot there are lots of people who are very successful doing yeah, recruitment. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. I think we've underest I think people have underestimated it. Maybe we've underestimated it. It's, it's undersold. Um yeah, it's never really talked about. And I think I think sometimes the executive search firms probably get more airtime, but the sort of mid to to sort of senior level doesn't necessarily. So yeah, I think I think it should change because it, it's an absolutely fantastic industry to be in. <laughs> and 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 having said that, what what are the things? Um, well, because you imagine it's just picking up the phone and like making a lot of money doing that, right? But what turned out to be <laughs> what turned out a lot harder than you expected? Uh, and and in general, you know, if someone's like on the outside looking in to a yeah. recruiter's job, what do you think it's like? 
the thing that they misunderstand the most? You know, what, what do you I, think? They think it's easy, but it's actually really tough. Yeah, I, I think clients and particularly external people looking in might perceive that it's pretty easy to find good talent. Because obviously that's the whole premise of the role, right? We've got to we've got to find and we've got to find them, attract them. They may be out mm. there, but they don't want to be represented by us. Mm. So we have to be able to attract that kind of talent to us. They've got to trust us. And mm. so I think there is a bit of a misconception that oh, it's pretty easy, isn't it? I mean, surely we you can you can juice your fees because I know that they work over at X, but that doesn't that this doesn't mean anything. You know, it takes months mm. and years to build a reputation for an mm. organisation and for an individual recruiter. They may be out there, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are influenced enough and persuaded enough by that recruiter to come over. You've got to have the skills to be able to bring someone over and manage them throughout throughout that whole recruitment process. And I think people can underestimate the full process of managing a candidate from end to end, that complete mm. experience. As we all know, it is an emotional roller coaster because you're dealing with people and they change their mind every five minutes. Mm. Um, so I think that's probably the, probably the biggest one is sort of underestimate how hard it is to find talent that, uh, that is exceptional. Mm, I, I agree. Yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of times also um, someone that you might think is talented uh, but someone else might not see it in the same way, right? So, so it's, yeah. it's very hard to, it's yeah. not so black and white. And it takes no, it's not so black and white. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're right. And I think, I think another thing from people looking outside is that every organization has different competencies, core competencies that they look for, whether it's values, you know, technical competencies. Um, and you've obviously, as a recruiter, got to be able to identify what they are per organization. So when mm. you're then going out and finding talent, it's not about what you perceive as, fantastic it's how you can match and align and evaluate them by whatever scoring matrix you use however you do it but mm. you've then got to be able to change that up it's not like an in-house recruiter role where you're just mm. representing one organization you've got mm. to switch switch that every single hour of the day depending mm. on which client you're representing mm. so that's that takes that does take skill it is skill. it does take skill it right is, yeah it's yeah. really yeah. skillful to be a recruiter <laughs> <laughs> no but it does take um <laughs> It does take a, a intuition though, like a certain type of intuition, yeah. right? And I think I'm, so, definitely. Right? Definitely. There's so many times I've actually heard stories of like recruiters saying, oh, I didn't expect the client to hire that candidate. Like, you yeah. know, I, I presented five and I, that was the candidate yeah. I least expected them to hire. Yeah, and, but, yeah, and I think that's a great learning ground for recruiters though, isn't it? Because that gets them to sort of see, well, actually... Um, I didn't expect that was that because I wasn't asking the right questions to the client. Did I not pick up on that? But that's what they were looking for. So a lot of it is they don't necessarily know their client a lot of the times. But also I think recruiters have got to use the wild card. There's sometimes you risk it and you say, look, mm. I don't know what it is, but this person's got it. You know, let me tell you, let me explain to you what it is. There is there are those wild cards out there for, for a candidate where you just go, you know what, I can't put my finger on it, but I just feel it. And, and that kind of intuition, I think, is a bit of a rarity in some recruiters. What, what do you enjoy most about being a recruiter? What did I enjoy most about being a recruiter? I would say that every day is different. The tasks are the same, exactly the same. Get client, meet a candidate, put, put posts on LinkedIn, look at salary surveys. Um, you know, the whole the tasks are generally the same, but you're dealing with different people every single day. So that's so exciting. You know, for, you know, you're, you're talking to a company that's specialising in toothpaste one minute, and then the next minute you're talking to a cloud-based technology company or something. So it's just really vary so I think for, for for people that are really fascinated and curious about organizations and what they're doing and how they're being innovative or um, getting ahead of 
the game is just so fascinating. You can be an ex- mm. outsider and learn so much every single day. Um, and I think that's the best bit about being a recruiter. See, notice I didn't say money then. I could have just said, oh, it's just money. But actually, I think that's, that's a, bit of an, you know, a bit of a cherry on the cake, really. But I, I, I really think it is just the, being able to meet such a um, mix of people is just fascinating. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. And, and, yeah. and I think um, uh, you're right in saying that it, it, it's routine in the sense where it's very KPI-driven. So, so yeah. the, the, you know, it's because it's a sales role, right? So, so you're supposed yeah. to like, meet how many clients, make how many calls, but... At the same time, it's such an emotional roller coaster, isn't it? Like, yeah. like even though even though the work is routine, but it's really yeah. Not. I think it's interesting when you say that about that kind of KPI thing. I never really got so wound up about that I had to do the KPIs. I think you know that you do know that you, that the outcome is a placement. So mm. whatever you've got to do before that, okay, we call it KPIs. But it's the, mm. you know, it's just yeah, just the just the way you look at it, I suppose. Mm. Mm. And what do you least enjoy about being a recruiter? Uh, I think the least at all levels, whether I was recruiting or whether I was leading, was turnover. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God, it would just kill me. Um, just, even, if, even, even as a junior recruiter, just having a colleague leave and just that uncertainty and um, that you miss them, you got well with them. Yeah, I think I found that the hardest, even at a senior level, when you might be responsible for letting someone go. I just that that was always hard. It's just sort of a bit of a revolving door, which could be hard at times. I'd find that yeah. the most the most the, the toughest. That, that what about you? Hard. What do you? What would you find the toughest? I think for me, uh, at a more personal level, um, is it, is just the the scale of people. So, so for, for recruit, I'm actually not money driven at all. I'm very bad with money, by the way. You can ask my wife, like she'll tell you that. Like I'm so bad. <laughs> so like every day when Hilarious. I do recruitment, I'm not I'm not chasing the the money, but the so the money is motivator. feedback. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. like feedback, no. right? Or the more money I make, I that means I'm doing well, I'm achieving something, yeah. you know. And it's a gauge. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So so yeah. um I think it got to the point where you know, it just it just became like, oh, I'm helping people, but it's very narrow. I want to help more people, and and yeah. you know, I want to do something a bit different. So that's yeah, me personally. Yeah, but I can see it as mm. a very long term career for people, like uh, many people who actually enjoy recruitment. Yeah, I think I think it depends. If someone is just purely money motivated, sometimes that can be quite. Uh, you know, I would I'd be interested to see how the customers experience that. Yeah, because mm. you know, I think I think it's a nice. I think it's good to to have that it is a it's it's a prior it's not necessarily the most important part of being a recruiter isn't just the money i think you do have to look at other things or it would just drive you crazy but it is a tough yeah, yeah 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 and, and, and you genuinely one of the things when i interview people want to be in recruitment uh mm. and it's a big cliche they say all the time oh i love working with people like i hear that a lot uh, but yeah i i, I hear that <laughs> like, i don't like that answer <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, but to some extent it is true though like you have to kind of work with like yeah, enjoy working it, with people. Yeah, I think it can be quite idealistic, right? Oh, I really like people, yeah, but you won't like them when they turn down your job and you've got like oh, yeah. a 50k <laughs> fee riding on it. You really won't like people then. And I, I do think it makes you a little bit skeptical because you don't trust people after you get into recruitment. You really don't. You know, when someone says, oh, no, I'm not interviewing anywhere else. Yeah, I know you're interviewing somewhere else because the couple of companies just told me. So, you know, you do tend to be quite skeptical, I think, 
So you've been in it a few years, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so one of the things that um, we're doing a bit differently with this episode of the podcast is because uh, mm. we're actually speaking at a time where, you know, we're going through like a COVID-19 crisis. Yeah. It's really bad, yeah. people are losing jobs. Uh, and we get a lot of questions, um, career-related questions directed at us. Mm. And I thought it's a mm. great uh, opportunity to kind of ask yeah. you yeah, what awesome. you thought of those questions, right? Yeah, so, was, yeah. Yeah, so, so one of the first things we, we very common things we get asked is um, what advice would you give a fresh graduate who can't decide what job or career to pursue? Yeah, I mean, that that's, comes up a lot, right, in terms of graduates, not, not necessarily knowing mm. what they want to do or they don't necessarily have the resources at school that gives them advice or they're not privy to having companies come and visit and get an idea. So I think, I think it is really, really difficult. I mean, I, there's so many careers out there. I think you first of all got to discover what you're good at. You know, what are your strengths? What do you enjoy? What are you passionate about? Generally, the things you're passionate about is generally what you're good at. Those are your kind of innate strengths, right? So you either, you know, I would say on a really simple scale, just ask your friends, peers, you know, people that you're close to that know you really well. What am I good at? You know, what do you see? What, what you know, how do I interact? Is it, you know, is it communication? Is it... Um, analytical abilities am I quite strategic am I you know quite competitive you know what is it what is it that you see in me that are my main strengths I mean I'm big I do a lot of strengths Gallup strengths which obviously you can do assessments which you know that costs money and I appreciate that not you know graduates don't all have money to be able to take a $70 sing assessment so if you don't just do the simple way and ask ask people what you think those strengths are and then at least you can narrow that down to perhaps an area that you might be interested in um, you know, whether it, and, and also just sort of looking at what your core values are, because if, so I think it's a little bit about strengths and knowing what you're good at, but I also think it's about what your beliefs are. Cause if you're really against drinking or really against tobacco or, you know, don't go and work for Diageo, don't go and work for a, a tobacco company. Like it's not mm. going to work, right. You've got to believe in what it is, mm. you know, so maybe you're really into technology and, 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 you know, maybe then start looking at technology, the fintechs or, you know, just sort of at least narrows an industry and then start breaking it down to what jobs are there and research and what are those jobs that exist within those industry. And I think when you really read up on them, it will just jump out. There'll be things that will really resonate with you. Um, and just try and, and I just say, reach out to people, be ballsy, you know, reach out to a few people on LinkedIn and say, I'm a graduate. I'm looking at a few options. I really would love to know more about this organization, the types of roles that are there. I, you know, people may not reply, but at least I've always just believed in, if you don't ask, you don't get, and mm. just reach out, you know, just mm. even if it's even if it's your mum's work colleague or your father's work colleague that's in an industry that you're interested in. What are they? It's 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 about finding out. It's not going to come mm. to you. It's about sort of discovering what those roles are mm. because there's just so many of them out there. Um, mm. And obviously looking at whether you can afford to go in those roles, because if it's an area that requires more studies or more qualifications mm. and, and you haven't necessarily got the funds to do that again, let it you know, move away from that and look at areas that are a little bit more achievable. And what on your home ground is in demand right now. If you're keen just to stay where you are in, in your own home country, then focus on what's what's upcoming. What are the industry, what are the job types that are upcoming? Is that an area that you could be moving into? And don't ever think of money, first of all, you know, work almost for free. It's not about the money in the early few hours, in the early few years. Mm. It's about just getting a foot in the door and getting some mm. experience. Um, mm. 
that was a really long answer to that. I apologize, mm. but um, hopefully, mm. no, but it's a good answer. Like, it does, it does cover a lot of things that I sometimes tell people, like, like the money thing, right? As if you're a fresh graduate, you shouldn't, you shouldn't um, take short term decisions. Like, if a job yeah, pays hard, you higher, it? but you know that there's a limit. You know, be, be worried. <laughs> be worried, I right? Think, I always think if they're going to pay you higher, be really, really worried. Because <laughs> yeah, that means you know, you're working 15 hours a day. <laughs> yeah, it could be, or it could be one of those like dead-end jobs that no one wants to take, you know, and, and they have to exactly. pay over market, you know, to get talent. Yeah, and, yeah so you have to be... Money. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, um, uh, it's very important to be, uh, to be good at it, right? Like, like actually know what so. your strengths are. Very, yeah, very I, I think so. I think if you're passionate and curious, you're more likely to work harder, ask the right questions, do a little bit extra, go above and beyond in those sectors because it interests you. You've really, yeah. I and mean, that's why I feel so sad when, you know, especially in Asia where there can be a little family pressure to go into law, into medicine, and I and I think there's a, or accountants like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> there's that there's that pressure to go into those sectors and i think sometimes the people that are in those roles that are really not happy they're not doing what their true calling is in life and i think that's sad um i think it's great for people to work in roles that they're truly truly inspired by yeah ideal in a get in an ideal world right yeah yeah and 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 by and when you're actually good at something i, I think it gives you momentum and then when you get that momentum yeah, yeah that's where the passion comes from like you have to be winning Definitely. right help people yeah. yeah yeah if you don't win like if, if if the if the if the start is really hard like if, if you're climbing up the hill straight away you know it's very difficult to get that passion right yeah absolutely uh, and maybe you don't know what that passion is yet so you know mm. maybe it is a lot of discovery and a lot of asking questions and meeting up with a few people or you know just reading up even if it's just looking at youtube videos on companies that are talking about a day in the life of a whatever that person you know whatever that job type is just get a feel mm. for it but it, mm. it's not going to come to you you've got to go out and find that you've got to do mm. your research if you really want to make the right move. But I don't mm. think anyone makes the right move on their first job, always. Um, mm. I think I did, but uh, no, I think most people uh, <laughs> tend to sort of go, go a few areas and then they finally find what they want to do. Not always well, well, you, well you, you started as a secretary and you became a recruiter, right? So yeah. you know, it turned out, well, I, I started as an accountant and well, I'm not really sure what I'm doing now. Not an accountant now, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like, you I got there in I, the end, Derek. You got there in the end. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so, so what I tell people a lot, especially they just graduating. Of course, yes, you should. You should think about what's your first job, but don't overly worry at the same no, time. No, yeah. who knows at the age of twenty, twenty-one? Jeez, you know, you, yeah. you're going through so much at that age. It's really hard to decide. I, I, I think you know there may well be sort of family pressures and, and money, and I totally appreciate that. Um, yeah. But I also think don't be too hard on yourself. Mm. Yeah. And um, uh, next question. So how should job seekers stay competitive uh, when mm. looking for jobs during this COVID-19 pandemic? So these are, in, these are people that are out of jobs or these are people in jobs or a bit of both? Uh, probably both. Bit of, bit of both. Okay. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's a really interesting. I'll sort of answer it in two ways, I think. I think if you're out of work and you're looking for opportunities, um, I think it's important to keep yourself motivated, obviously just from a sort of mentally and physically to, to kind of 
been looking for a role but I think looking at online courses you know making sure that during that gap that you're upskilling as well so it may not necessarily directly lead you to your new role but I think that just gives you a little bit of confidence and, and getting your brain ticking you know because it could be a few months for people who are out of work right it's not going to be such an easy fix it might be mm. opportunities aren't going to start sort of rearing their beautiful heads until kind of fourth quarter so if you can actually sort of gain that confidence and upskill in an area you know it might be excel macros or it might you know it might just be something that you know other technologies that could possibly help you in the role that you're looking to go into or you just want to get better at what you're doing so i think just you know i think doing things like online courses just gives i think it does a lot of things for people it just gets them motivated it upskills it shows the employer that you're going to that you're um that you haven't just been sitting around i think that shows a lot of motivation um but also I think for people that are, are in jobs and obviously you can't meet people physically like face to face, it doesn't stop you reaching out on LinkedIn. It doesn't stop you having coffee Zoom calls, right? It doesn't stop you saying, hey, we haven't caught up for a while or just getting your network, keep living and breathing that network. I think sometimes you can have lots of people on your LinkedIn network, but you never talk to them. You never engage with them. Yeah. So you're probably going to find an opportunity through your network and you can't always rely on recruiters all the time, a hundred percent of the time to find mm. you your next job. I'm sad mm. to say, mm. because you know, it's just, it depends on the role and it depends on the market and what your, you know, what your background is. So it's good to have a bit of a parallel search really to be also doing your bit and building your network and keeping it alive and reaching out and, and also on the other side is also giving advice to people that might need it. If you're in a niche skill set, you're in a niche area, offer those services. Again, be noticeable on how you mm. present your brand within, within, say, LinkedIn, for instance, because that also mm. gets your name out there and gets people noticing and, um, you know, commenting on people's feeds. That kind of gives you those sort of opportunities as well. Yeah, and, and, and what you mentioned about, like, doing a course right now, I think it, you, whether or not you actually use what you learn is is such a good reflection on your personality when you're actually interviewing, right? Because the employer might just ask, like, so. "Oh, so what you've been doing for the last? Okay, so you lost your job four months ago, but what have you been doing since? Yeah. Oh, I did this course. You know, it's a Absolutely. huge difference, right? Absolutely, I'd interview people and I'd you know for recruiter roles, and if they'd just been bumming around for six months, oh, you know, I've been I've been doing a little bit of baking, or I've been you know doing a bit of this. Okay, anything else? No, not really. I just I yeah. just I mean, even if they're, I mean, might, you know, sometimes it might be that they're sort of nervous to say what they've been doing, but if they've literally not been any, doing anything, then I think there's a real lack of motivation there. And it, that, again, mm. not the right skill sets that you're looking for. So mm. I think make the most of the time that you've got and mm. set, you know, have some goals and try and reach them during these times that it keeps your mind ticking and it also helps you in. I also think it helps you that confidence in going for a job interview because I think if you've been out of work for a while, you're not, you're not, your confidence is going to be a bit knocked. You feel you've been out of it a long time. So I think mm. online course just gives you that, just gets the brain ticking again. Mm. Um, gives you that kind of confidence. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, and the next question I have is like, it's a very specific one. Um, mm. So, um, so this is exactly how it was written. I've been working in my company for two years and most of my colleagues and seniors are leaving. Uh, this might impact my development and growth in the company because my seniors mm. have left. So mm. what should I do in this scenario? Should I leave or should I stay? Actually, that's a really great question. I think that question, I would certainly say that question came up, comes up a lot when we were recruiting. You probably remember mm. that as well. It always yeah. comes up with people are leaving. I don't know whether I'm going to learn as much. That turnover worries me. Should mm. I stay? I think, I think this is a question or a concern that comes up a hell of a lot. 
um, I mean, obviously, I don't know all the circumstances too much, but my my thoughts are on it are, are probably a little bit different. In look, it could affect you, obviously. You know, if you've got seniors with experience that they can't impart that on you, that is going to affect you, absolutely, without without a doubt. But it shouldn't be the only. You should also possibly look at it as a bit of a positive in that there's opportunity. There could be opportunities there for you. You know, if you've got people that have left, does that mean that you have got a quicker route up the career ladder? Does that mean you can take more on, take on more responsibilities? Um, but if, but I would also try and identify what is what. What are the actual skills that that they would have imparted now that they've gone? What are they? What do they look like? Mm. Um, how is that going to impact you now that they've gone? Can you find those skills elsewhere? Is there anyone internally or around the world in your company you can have as a mentor? Yeah, is there someone externally you can reach out and fill that gap? Because I think there's, there is a lot of tendency sometimes to feel or to blame. Oh, you know, those people have left, and you know, I'm never going to get ahead, and that's kind of mm. an excuse. Well, actually, mm. you know what? It's an opportunity. Um, it's look at it really positively and see if that means that you can do something different in your role if if the company allows that if you're able to have mentors internally or you know around the globe with the company or just find it elsewhere it might be someone a you know a family group or a group that you're part of a sports group that you know is someone that has got skills or is a maybe a completely different industry that they can teach you leadership or they can teach you how to um, build a team or you know whatever that might be mm. I would say really pin down write down have some time to reflect what those skills and development really looks like and how you then can start focusing on how to achieve that on your own without waiting for a company to do that for you mm. because we live in an age where we can't always rely on organizations to do it for us there's a lot of stuff going on right now and obviously there's a lot of pressure on bottom line and, and sometimes people can be at the bottom of that part unfortunately so 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 i'd say don't waste this time waiting for someone else to do it for you and, and mm. you know be you know pinpoint exactly what that really does look like for you i don't know, I don't know if you would mm. you would agree with that or whether there's yes, anything else that yes. you would add add to that uh, that um i do see it as an opportunity uh, definitely and uh, in the sense yeah. where um you know if typically what happens if someone senior leaves right and, and you're still there whether or not you actually take all the responsibilities, you would probably take some, right? Yes, there would be absolutely. some of that work that we pass yeah. on to you. Yeah. And and work is good. I mean, I tell people all the time, like you don't, it's not, you shouldn't shy away from work mm. uh, because the more work, mm. the more responsibility you take means you you have growth, right? And your opportunity yeah. for growth and maybe you are promoted to that position or even if you're not ready to be promoted to that position, you've grown from an experience standpoint. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, so it's it's and then as you say, it's not good to be so reliant on the senior. There are lots of ways you can learn what you need to learn. Um, yeah, and if they've left, does it mean you can still be in contact with them? Like they're not, you know, as long as they've died, um, you can probably still reach out to them, right? You know, if yeah. you've got a good a good relationship with them, you know. But um, I, I, th I suppose it depends on the job type. We didn't really get an idea of what kind of role they're in. So no. if it was a sales yeah. role, I'd say, yeah. or if it's recruitment, I'd say, fantastic. You know, take their portfolio. <laughs> if, every recruiter loves loves a bit of turnover because they can get their portfolio. So I right. suppose it does depend on the job type, doesn't it? Yeah. So um, yeah, but, and I, but I do encourage people to look at it more positively, unless there's yeah, like definitely. A, like a reason why they left, and, and as in that the reason why they left is also 
a reason that would impact you. Like that reason yes. also affects That's you, That's a right? good point. That's a good point. It may work that we may have looked at that quite differently, that question, and it may might well be that this is a company that I've got high turnover and people leaving. Well, again, mm. we could still look at it positively and negatively. One, they stayed and worked through that against mm. all odds, positively, or, you know, is it time to, to leave because um, it hasn't got a great reputation that could actually impart, that could also impact their reputation, possibly. Mm. Um, we, we will never know. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next question. Uh, if a company does not confirm me after my probation uh, or does not extend my contract, what would be a good answer to explain this situation to future recruiters or to future mm. employers? Mm. Well, if it's recruiters, obviously just be completely honest because they're, um, they're representing you. So they need to have all the facts in front of them, right? Because mm. if they're representing mm. a candidate, they're going to need to know exactly. They're just going to be better, better equipped to be able to position that to an organization. But if you're mm. talking to an organization, exactly the same, to be honest, be really honest on that. Um, I mean, it, as long as there hasn't been any kind of legal issues that you haven't, you know, been nicking money out of the petty cash drawer or anything like that, as long as you haven't been, as long as you haven't been doing that, there's nothing illegal. Then, um, and 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 they're kind of justifiable answers. I think the best way is to be honest um, and obviously just be really mindful of your body language when you're delivering that message because if you're nervous in yourself about it feeling insecure about it, it takes some time before you go into those conversations to just um just be you know just i suppose reflect on what what was it exactly that um mm. so you don't feel nervous on that because it's nothing to be ashamed of there's lots mm. of reasons why people's contracts are not extended don't don't mm. take that as a negative just try and mm. position it in a way that there can be some positives out of that mm. if you can mm. But just mm. don't lie, be, be honest. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think especially if it's like it's due to the current situation, you know, lots of people yeah. are losing their jobs. And and I, I think yeah. a lot of employees can be a lot more forgiving now, right? Right. So. In the sense where they know that well, people are losing jobs. It's not necessarily your fault. Yeah. Economy's yeah. not that great, you know. Um, so that's quite good. And then I like the yeah. part about like self-reflection. I think that's quite good. If you can understand why it was the next then like let's say if if you do think that you have some responsibility, like understanding yeah. what, where you fell short and then what you've done to kind of, you know, correct that might, might be quite, you know, it, it's useful. I think if an employer asks and you can explain it in that way. Yeah, um, I, I suppose it just depends what it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, may, may, maybe I should have turned up on time. Maybe I shouldn't have been two hours late for work every day. Probably isn't going to send the right message. But <laughs> I've decided to turn up on time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, I've got to be a little bit careful. But I don't, th- <laughs> yeah, I think honesty is the best key at all times. Definitely. So yeah, I, I'm keen to really ask about what you're doing at the, the career. So you started your own company now, the career establishment. Right? So yeah, and, and um, um, I'm curious about like, what does, uh, um, what, do, what do you do at the career establishment? You know, what kind of solutions are you providing? Like, yeah, yeah tell me more. Yeah. Yeah, so just in, in a nutshell, really, there's a few kind of pillars that we focus on. Um, the first one's online recruitment marketplace. It's going to be live in August, which is a um, pretty much every recruitment training course you can think of from negotiation to leadership uh, to the whole sort of 360 recruiter, can interview skills, everything. Um, that would be all online. Um, and so recruitment firms can access that 
um, through their self-paced learning and they'll have access to every every training course, which is quite exciting, which is obviously due to COVID forced me to focus on that area. I wouldn't necessarily have focused on it. I was looking at doing that at the end of the year, so that kind of mm. preempted it a little bit, obviously. Um, but I also think there's a real need now for people to be looking at their own, not only just online learning, but also their own self-paced learning. They can do it on mm. weekends. They can do it after after work. They don't have, you know, not all, not all organisations are able to send their staff for full days, especially probably now. So actually, that's that's quite an important one. The second mm. one is face-to-face leadership and team development workshops. I'm an experiential facilitator, so you're always going to be guaranteed some fabulous. Um, leadership game where you know where it's where it really leads us to some great learning that we unpack on whether it's collaboration or conflict or um, um, you know certain behaviors within the leadership team um, and the third one I'm a strength gallop coach sounds like something like a horse does it when I say that um, it's not it's not a horse <laughs> um, so I do coaching from mid to senior levels across the region actually have people in Dubai, Australia, Hong Kong, Singapore that I do on a monthly basis, which are all Zoom related at the moment. Um, and then the fourth one, I'm a virtual facilitator. So, um, and that's been a real new thing, I'll be honest. The next few weeks, we're running a virtual strengths workshop for two or three hours to a recruitment firm in Singapore where, um, you know, you're not necessarily doing as much face-to-face workshops um, because obviously the whole social distancing. So that's really... Um, pushed more of the need for virtual facilitator-led workshops so that kind of an, oh and I suppose the podcast but I I don't really see that as a solution I see that as a, as, as fun mm. <laughs> that's mm. my fun job um, <laughs> being a podcast host for Talent Talk Asia so that in a nutshell is what the crew establishment's all about yeah right right so so like it sounds like the um yeah, yeah it's, there's a lot of training involved right you're doing and you're trying to yeah, upskill people absolutely training absolutely. development and then you're yeah. quite active online right now. Where you're innovating. That's that's amazing. Right? What's that? Sorry. The, you're, you're you're adapting and innovating. Right yeah, now, I, right? I think I think a lot of people have done it. Whether they're, I mean, I think for the training fraternity, um, it's forced us. COVID has forced us to go virtual. Where before we were quite comfortable doing face to face, and and we never really had the time to upskilling it. And I think it's really forced the training community to to really look at how can we reach people in their in their living rooms yeah and still be able to work with organizations and to be honest i don't think we'll ever go back i i think it's i i personally have found it really interesting and i think organizations that haven't been able to offer training programs for people sat in remote locations can now do that because trainers are i've put some really great creative activities together that they can do that aren't um that they can do virtually fantastic mm. what a, what mm. what a so there's some positives that have come out of COVID mm. as a result. Yeah, mm. that's interesting. No, I, and, I, and I really like what you said about like, like learning at your own pace. So this is something mm. that I haven't really told a lot of people in terms of like in my, my career in recruitment. So when mm. I first started in um, Robert Walters, obviously there's a lot of company training, but yeah, I actually do a lot. lot of my own training. So uh, yeah. after work, I go back and I, there was a lot of like American um, recruiters at the time. And I think I paid someone something like 300 us dollars yes. uh yeah i did yeah to, to buy what? something it's just like um like a uh 
like articles about recruitment I, and like videos. Really? No, I did. Oh, and and I, and I, such a sport. Such a sport you were. <laughs> but I literally invested that, I mean, in ringgit terms, that's over a thousand ringgit, right? When you wouldn't expect an employee hell? to like just use their own money to do that. But but what, what I'm trying to say is, I think sometimes you can see how, I'm not saying that I'm going very far, but I have gone quite far in terms of my career. But that yeah. the attitude to like self-learning and training is very yeah. important. I think right. so. I think things that I, I think, especially on a technology perspective, how quick it changes. I mean, I think we'll all be. I think we can all sit here and say, three, four months ago, we could use Zoom, but we certainly didn't use it to the levels that we're probably using it in terms of breakout rooms or, mm. you know, how you're using, you know, certain other tools with it in terms of whiteboards and all these wonderful mm. things. How we're brainstorming using Google Jam or whatever call it jam boards all these wonderful things mm. and i think it's fantastic and i think everyone it's I'd, I'd really encourage everyone to take some time if they can to just make sure they're constantly learning these new technologies because it it, it's, it will make life easier makes it fun but it does take it does mean you have to take some time out to really understand it and know how that mm. fits into things because mm. it will change within the next six months to something new mm. but it's just keeping ahead it's just keeping ahead of it and you know, for an old person like me, you know, you have to make sure you dedicate time to learning new things because you've got to be able to reach people remotely now. And that's, mm. that's interesting. I think that's really, really interesting. Mm. Mm. And I think, I think and, and that also makes your training very accessible, right, to a lot of people. Cause, Absolutely. Cause, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, before, yeah. right, the, instead of having to invite you in person to the office, now Absolute, they can subscribe. A, you know? Absolutely. And I think what I think the main motivation for me always moving from recruitment to running my own training company was that we were fortunate at Robert Waters and I was at Michael Page to have fan, and Morgan McKinley fantastic training absolutely fantastic they would you know whether we were training it to people or we were externally getting providers to come in training was always a really big part of the upskilling and, and made us the recruiters that we are and I think not every recruitment firm has the budget to do that and I've and that kind of breaks my heart a little bit because I think there are some really great people out there and so for me being able to do the online at a, and it is a, a way more af affordable um, costing model mm -hmm. it means that organizations that are probably your small boutiques can afford to put two or three people through those programs for six months to a year um, and be able to afford to do that where they may not have been able to do that if it was you know hiring me for a day where you know that might eat into their budget a little bit more so I'm, I'm happy that there are those alternatives out there for people because it does mean everyone has the capability of being great in what they do so that's good i'm happy about that mm. and then for for those listening who's interested in stuff like that so i was actually trained by andrea as well and obviously i did pretty well in recruitment so <laughs> you did very, very well. I, I like to think so um, yeah, you just so yeah, and if someone's interested to learn more about this, like, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I think I think the best way is probably just to email me first of all if there is specific questions you wanted to know, whether it's whether it's coaching, whether it's um, being a guest on Talent Talk Asia, whether it's looking at a workshop virtually or face to face, or whether you're interested to put your people on the online recruitment marketplace. Best thing to do is email me is probably somewhere in the link when you when you post this or look at the website which is just www. wait for it the career establishment.com which is the longest longest name for a company um, uh, 
I bet you didn't have to compete for that domain name. It was just. <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't. I know. I, I've got to shorten it to TCE. I'm trying to make that a big thing. TCE, but I don't think anyone's going to know what it means. But yeah, it was definitely a ridiculously. It was definitely a ridiculously long name and a nightmare when you type it out on your email. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's there we go. Yes, and then so yeah, if you wanted to reach Angra, uh, we'll leave her email in the show notes. Whether you're watching this uh, on social media or podcast, mm. uh, and you'll right. find it there. So uh, okay. we're gonna kind of uh, get to the end of the segment, which uh, which are quick fire questions. Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, sometimes uh, when I when I get to this part, people people say it's not that quick fire; it's kind of slow fire <laughs> because the questions are quite challenging. Really. <laughs> Is yeah. that you? Is it? Is it you not ask? Is it you not asking the question quickly, or is it the yeah, person yeah. responding? <laughs> that too. That too. <laughs> First question: um, mm. What scene from a movie or TV show was super memorable? Or is super memorable memorable to you and left you a lasting life lesson? Oh, easy. Hugh Grant in Love Actually, without a doubt, dancing in the living room with. Um, with his secretary or someone watching him. And for me, lasting life lesson is, it doesn't matter how senior you are, how important your job is, you're still, you're, you're still a human. Be authentic, be, be real, use humour in your life if you can. It makes life a little easier. And I just, that, mm. to me, it just makes me happy. Just, it just, mm. it's funny and it's just relatable. Love it. Mm. Mm, no, I love that. I, I remember that scene very well. Yeah, you know, there's the <laughs> yeah, pointing yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, yeah, 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 the yeah, dancing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely he placed, memorable. He plays the prime minister in the, in the movie, right, I think? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yes. yeah mm. I love it. Next question. Is there a non-fiction book that you've read that you believe everyone should read? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say Charles Green, David Meister wrote a book, Christ, probably about 20 years ago, called The Trusted Advisor. Um, I think it's on Kindle, uh, you can get it hard copy, obviously. It's fabulous. It's all about how to build trustworthiness through the trust equation um, mm. for people that are really struggling to build trust within their uh, business. If they're a salesperson or if they're looking at building trust on a personal level within their family, then read the book. Um, I do a lot of workshops on trust um, for, for all levels, not just leaders. And for me, it's the absolute go-to book about building trustworthiness. Brilliant book. Nice. Next question. Um, what's the best piece of career advice you've received uh, from a mentor or someone you respect? I think it was really hard because there's quite a few. Mine wasn't a specific thing that someone said. It was something that someone sent me. So a really good friend of mine called Shelley Tilson that used to work at Robert Walter Singapore, used to work for me um, for a number of years. And she's a good friend of mine. And when I first set up the career establishment, she sent me a card and the words on it was something on the lines of she wanted it. So she went and got it, which seems really simple and kind of, okay, she went for it, she kind of got it. And to be oh. honest, I, I always, always think back on that. Because there's ever a time at work where I think, gosh, that's, that's a new area to focus on or I've got to pitch to that client, you know, a little bit nervous or whatever those feelings are. I always think of that card. 
Well, I think, yeah, I, I, I want to be successful. I want to do a good job. Um, and every time I ever have doubts, I think of that card because I, I wanted this life. I chose this 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 career. Um, and for me, it just gives me a lot of confidence because I've done it kind of saying, you know, you, you want it, go and get it. So, yeah. I, I really love that. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm still going to write that down somewhere yeah. to remind myself to. Maybe change she to he though, Derek. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that might confuse you a little bit. <laughs> Ivy might get a little bit worried. <laughs> Who's she? That, that's going to be her yeah. question. <laughs> yes. Who's this comment for? <laughs> brilliant. brilliant. So, so you, sorry, you have this card with you, like as it's with you yeah, on the desk. It, I, and, I've got a different desk now because I've got a desk right. in town now. So I've put it somewhere. Um, next question what object have you purchased in the last 12 months that cost less than 200 US dollars that you believe has had tremendous positive impact on your life Bose earphones Bose earphones oh yeah I use them every day um, mm. the ones you're using use now as well no they're not no they're not these ones actually they're just ones that I use to listen to, to I listen to podcasts every day I'm always listening to things whether it's music doing yoga in the morning or whatever it is i constantly have my earphones on and i absolutely love the bose ones because you, you, you drown out all my children in the background so it's it's wonderful i think it's a it's a mother's dream actually <laughs> okay highly recommend it yes <laughs> uh, next question if you could make a video go viral and the video carried a message that's important to you what would that message be Oh, this is really hard, especially what's going on in going on in the world right now. Which uh, mm. Mm. I, I just kept it really simple. Really, it's just, this is the hardest one for me. There were so many that I could have, that I could grab hold of. That, um, but I just my thoughts were: uh, talk people up, don't bring them down. Because I think there is a real tendency sometimes. Um, and I know this conversation comes up a lot on gender. I suppose sometimes women can be their worst enemies to other women. Um, in terms of the words, and I think sometimes the words that you can hear in an office on how women can be described as assertive or aggressive or aggressive or assertive. Um, and so I, I really like the whole remember to talk people up, look at what good they bring or what value they're bringing to you, whether it's even if it's someone that's being really argumentative and challenging you, the natural reaction is kind of, oh God, they're always asking questions, looking at it negatively. But actually, it's really good to. to to build people up um, and don't automatically think about bringing them down, you know, mm -hmm. encourage people, um, you know, help them, support them. And I think especially in times like this, if you've got that opportunity to, when I say talk someone up, it's talk someone up or build someone up. But I think talk someone up as well, just being able to talk well of someone and look at the good in people and don't always, you know, naturally think, okay, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be negative about them. That would be my one. It's probably not that articulately put, but I think you get my point. Mm. Mm, I like that. Um, what's a skill that you have which other people will find surprising, but it's been very useful for your career? Mm. Um, I would probably, I'm not sure whether it would be surprising or not. I think for people that know me well probably, probably uh, would know this. I'm pretty creative. Um, I paint and, and I don't mean paint people, God no, I'm not that skillful. 
I paint furniture. I give up furniture. So uh, I have lots of, sort of pieces around the house that I've painted and, and done up. I really love that. I don't have an awful lot of time doing it now, but I absolutely love that. Um, and I think that really helps me do the job I do now because when it comes to creating fun, engaging, creative activities and relating that back to key learning. It's not, you know, it's not training activities for the PowerPoints, you know, they're experiential games. They're using different ways of being able to work through a challenge or how a team looks and, and, and those kind of learning points. So I think for me being able to use that, I get so excited thinking about a new activity and how I'm going to do it differently. And, um, and that to me is just, I suppose, all my creative juices really get into that. So I, I channel that through through my work as well so I think that's that's quite nice to be able to do something that you really enjoy I'm not going to say I may, I may not be very good at it but I, <laughs> I, I channel that to work as well so I use a lot of that creativity yeah. What, yeah. what is that like I, I am surprised actually what what, 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 what yeah what does it mean to be painting furniture Oh, so I've got a wedding cabinet downstairs where, you know, the wedding cabinet, the traditional Chinese wedding cabinet, yeah, right? Yeah. So I chalk painted that this beautiful blue, uh, like a turquoise blue, and it's like really nice chalk paint. And I've done a, a big um, piece of furniture in my house. I've painted that um, like a grey. And I, I'm quite big on interior design. Like most people, my friends, if they're moving into a new place, it's always, oh, get Andrew around, get Andrew around. Because I just have an eye for it. I, I um how I spend my free time is I consume every design program, everything that is anywhere to do with how you do up a, you know, even to the whole architectural structure of a house to designing places. I would, I thought I would go into that, but uh, mm. I think it would require being good at maths in terms of our, you know, working out the calculation of a room and that was never going to happen. So I, I stayed away from that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just absolutely love that side of it. I'm, really enjoy that makes me oh, very wow. happy yeah oh that's that's really cool like, never I, I knew never, that right no i never no no that um no. And, and 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 especially like I, I couldn't tell that you were into like the arts even like because you're really? such a go 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 person and oh, i always I imagine it. someone who's in the arts i mean being uh like if you're in the arts you tend to have to kind of slow down a lot right and just be in it like in the yeah. arts that's all i imagine yeah. it to be yeah, I think and, uh, if I yeah. think if I didn't work, I'd have more time to be way more reflective on stuff. But I think living in Germany for three years with all the architecture and just that for me is just you know such a beautiful part of the world, Europe with the old buildings and um, so I, you know if you ever get into Gallup strengths, you'll understand more about where people's strengths are. And one of my one of my top five strengths is individualization. So I see unique qualities in people. You know, it could be people, it could be something. Um, I can just see things and just be able to really treat it quite uniquely. And I think that just helps me do what I do with my job as well. Wow. To enjoy it. Uh, yeah. So we had the last question. Yeah. Uh, what does the word success mean to you? I would say having a really equal balance between being happy professionally, doing something you love and being happy, but also making sure that that balances well with your personal life as well. I think sometimes we can all go for the money. It's all, you know, chase the money, chase the money. And it really can have a massive effect on, on your family life and your, just your health relationships and everything. And I think for me, for success is being able to be in a position where you're equally balancing both and one's not taking over the other. They're just, they're, they're both being fed uh, 
and you're being inspired by both sides, but it doesn't come at a cost. It's how, for me personally, I see success. That's my personal side of it. Balance. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, mm. complete balance. You said that so much better than me, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> I, I, I shortened it to one word. <laughs> yes, see? Oh, yeah, it was a quick fire round, wasn't it? <laughs> Maybe wasn't as quick fire as it should have been. Uh, thank you for doing the podcast with us. And, you're very uh, welcome. Uh, and I uh, sound, um, the, the work that you're doing to launch the online recruitment course sounds really exciting. I, I really yeah. look forward you know, to, uh, to seeing it when it's up. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, when when, when do you think it will kind of be I'm ready? Hope, I, hopefully, first of August. Fingers crossed. I'm, there's quite there's still quite a lot to do with it to do for it, but I'm, I'm hoping first of August. Mm. Yes. Sounds great. Uh, yeah. So that's probably going to be. So we're recording this right now, like in early June. So uh, mm. it yeah. So it's probably going to be up in like two months. Or yeah. So. yeah. 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 Okay. Quite awesome. So thanks again, and uh, maybe we can like do this again every now and then. That like, yeah, I'd love to. Doing. Love to. I'd love to. I'd love to. Happy to any questions that people want to get some more um, advice on. I'm absolutely happy to contribute and, and help. I absolutely love looking after the Malaysia market uh, when I was a proper auto. So I'd be absolutely happy to still continue helping. And you know, if anyone's got any questions and stuff like that, yeah, happy. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Hello Mentor podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, do hit that subscribe button, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you're trying to have a great career or if you want to succeed in business, um, you will benefit from really, really getting to learn from some of the most inspiring people in Malaysia. And hopefully you can replicate some of that success yourself. Uh, We have many, many more amazing people joining us soon and we expect to release an episode once every two weeks. So again, do hit that subscribe button to our podcast and you will be notified when the next episode is up. Also, this podcast is supported by WAP, the leading professional youth jobs platform in Malaysia. So if you're looking to hire great talent or if you're looking for a new job, do also check us out at wopjobs.com. That's W-O-B-B jobs.com. Thank you again and I look forward to to share the next episode with you soon.